Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I'm going to invite all of you, um, every age, to enjoy a story for all ages. This story is called Gus and the Big Blue Blob. And as adults, I say this often when I preach, we don't usually get to just rest in being read to and rest in a story. So I hope you can relax a little deeper and enjoy. Gus was a little boy who loved to laugh and play and explore. But one day, something terrible happened, and Gus felt so sad that he couldn't feel anything else. After many days, Gus's mom said, Gus, pretty soon you'll have to go back to school, so you need to try to not cry. Crying only makes it worse. Gus felt the tears falling. He wiped them away, and suddenly he saw a little blue blob rest on his hand. He tried to make his tears stop, and the blue blob got bigger. Scared, he shoved the blob behind the chair, but when he left the room, the blob followed him. The blob went everywhere Gus went, and when he lay down to sleep, the blob hovered above him. That night, Gus woke up with nightmares of the awful day. He felt his tears and got angry. He punched his pillow and kicked his bed and the blob doubled in size. Gus shoved the blob under his bed. Pretty soon, Gus was getting ready to go back to school. Gus packed his backpack. He found the blob stuffed inside of his coat and he rolled it away, but it came rolling back. When Gus got to school, the friends he had always laughed with stared at him. As his best friend, Luna, approached him carefully, Gus forced his sadness away, telling his friends a joke. Gus gulped as he felt the blob in his backpack growing. No one else seemed to notice the blob, but it wouldn't leave Gus alone. It kept growing, and it was getting faster and louder and heavier. It was cold to touch, and it shook and made terrible noises. The blob scared Gus. That weekend, Gus went to visit his Nana, who was his favorite person. He ran ahead of his blob when he arrived, but he knew that his blob would catch up. Nana was gentle. She moved carefully and quietly. She sat down on the couch and waited for Gus to join her. Her eyes were full of light, and she always knew what to say. How are you, my Gus? Nana asked. Fine, Gus said, looking away. But he knew Nana would know that he was not fine. Nana tried again. How is everyone around you acting? Mom doesn't talk, and Mama talks too much. My sister is angry, 
and my friends at school treat me funny. Just as Gus started to talk about his aunts and uncles, the blue blob soared across the air, heading straight for him. No, Gus said with a yelp. Nana took a small breath and reached for Gus. As she pulled him close, he started to cry. What is scaring you, my Gus? Nana, there's this blue blob that showed up when everything went bad. It keeps getting bigger and scarier. I see, Nana said, what have you been doing with this blob? I've tried hiding it, I've tried hitting it, I've tried throwing it away, breaking it into pieces, nothing works. What if it grows so big that no one will see me? What if people are afraid of me? What if it never goes away? Oh Gus, that is your sadness, and it seems like you have not been treating it with kindness. Let's try something new. When my sadness comes, I invite it to sit down. Can you do that? I don't think my blob will listen, Gus said. But when Gus invited his blob to sit down, the blob sat still beside him. Good job, Gus. Now, when my sadness comes, I hold it tight. Sadness often shivers, and I try to hold my sadness with care and keep it warm. Gus reached over and squeezed his sadness in a hug. As he did, his sadness got a little warmer. You're doing so good, Gus. Now, it's important to let our sadness be here, to not hurt it or push it away, but to make space for it to be. Can you do this? Gus took a few deep breaths and tried to let the blob be instead of trying to fix or hide it. Gus couldn't believe his eyes. His blob started to shrink. Nana, will it go away completely? I don't know, Gus, but sadness needs to be respected. We must care about our feelings. They are a part of us, and every part of who we are is important. When we treat our feelings badly or try to hide them, we hurt this part of ourselves. Gus's blob stayed with him for a long while. But after talking to his Nana, his blob didn't seem so scary. When Gus saw his blue blob, he thought of his Nana and reminded himself, all of me is important, even my sadness. Throughout this long pandemic, I have seen blue blobs everywhere. I have felt the weight of my own blobs, sometimes expanding and straining, sometimes depleting and softening. I think about Gus, I think about his mom, his mama, his sister, his friends. I think about his Nana. I think about his Nana a lot. As we continue to navigate so many crises, and are given more and more opportunities to feel fear, sadness, and anxiety. I invite you to embrace the big blue blobs that are inside and around you. I invite you to take a few slow, deep breaths. As you breathe in, Think about Gus, 
and the blob he tried so hard to get rid of. Breathe in and breathe out. And let Gus slowly fade from your mind. What is your blob? As you listen today, do you feel worry, fear, sadness? Breathe in and breathe out. Noticing the blob of emotions that live within you. And as you take another deep, slow breath, I invite you to slowly open your eyes and come back. What did it feel like to lean into uncomfortable or painful emotions? There's a reason that our character Gus tried to run from, beat down, and escape his blob. Our instinct tells us to do just that. But why? We worry that allowing our blob to be there will isolate us, that no one will want to be around us if we're sad. The society that we live in tells us that sadness is a weakness, that if we aren't feeling good, it's somehow our fault. We worry that if we let our blobs be there, they will swallow us. If we sit with our sadness, what if it stays forever? There's a lot working against us. It is hard to just embrace our blobs on our own. Gus needed a wise, kind Nana. And no matter our age, I think we need that too. If you can't immediately invite your sadness or your pain beside you, give it warmth, give it space, that's okay. A great place to start is to seek out a Nana in your life. One of the best Nanas that I've met has four paws and a huge fluffy tail. Let me tell you about Bob. Anytime I tell stories from my work as a chaplain, I change the identifying details of the patients and the families I work with to protect their privacy, but I hold on to the essence of the story. And Bob is really Bob. Bob is our hospital service dog. He works Monday through Friday and has a team of us who have trained to be his handlers. Bob spends his days comforting our children and adult patients, their families, and our staff. Not too long ago, I was called to provide support to the wife of one of our patients, who I'll call Caroline. Caroline had been battling cancer for years and now was dying. Caroline and her wife Marina had three adolescent children. I'm so worried about them, Marina said through tears, especially Eliza. Eliza is autistic and already has a hard time communicating and understanding changes. This will be hard on all of us, but I'm really worried about Eliza. As I got to know Caroline and Marina, I learned that they found solace in their home 
where they enjoyed watching movies, eating Thai food, and especially snuggling up with their dog, Casper. Every time their children FaceTimed their mom, Casper was on the screen too. Caroline was getting worse, and Marina decided it was time to bring her children in to visit. We talked about how scary hospitals can be and brainstormed ways to make it a little less scary. I plan to bring Bob. Caroline arrived with Nellie, Annabelle, and Eliza. Bob and I met them in the waiting room, and Nellie and Annabelle gushed around Bob, asking questions, petting him, and talking about their dog, Casper. Eliza stood back, swaying and scanning the room. One nurse asked Eliza if she wanted a snack. Another nurse asked Eliza about her school, about what she liked to do each trying to make Eliza more comfortable, each trying to help. But Eliza just stood, swaying and looking terrified. I led Bob to Eliza and asked if she wanted to pet him. Eliza nodded. As I tried to think about the best way to foster connection between Eliza and Bob, Bob pushed right on ahead and gently leapt onto Eliza. Hind legs on the ground, front paws on Eliza's shoulders. Bob morphed into a bob blanket and stayed that way for a long time. As Eliza watched him and rubbed his back, Bob swayed with Eliza until Eliza was ready to see her mom. Bob embraced Eliza and all that she couldn't say. Bob stayed with her in her sadness and in her fears. As I bring Bob around the hospital, I hear over and over again, I wish I had a Bob. I wish all of us had a Bob. I think about the time when my sadness and my fear was biggest. I was in college, I didn't have a Bob, but I had a Becky and Emily. They were my best friends. I struggled a lot in my first year of college. I had a hard time with my worrying and after a day of a special panic, I would wake up from nightmares. I remember being afraid of my emotions and embarrassed by my feelings. After finally breaking down in tears to my new friends, telling them what I was feeling, I worried about how they would react. They called me later that day. We're gonna have a sleepover, they told me. Emily invited Becky and I for a sleepover in the basement of her family's home. The huge couches were pushed together and covered with blankets and pillows, and a stack of movies waited. We talked about it, Emily said, and we figured that if we can't fix your nightmares, we can at least be here for them. So let's watch movies all night, and if you fall asleep and have nightmares, you won't be alone. We'll be here too. More than 10 years have passed since that sleepover, but the memory of Becky and Emily's willingness to be beside me when my fear and worry felt terrifyingly huge continues to comfort me and to teach me. Have you had experiences of finding a Nana? Times when you could tell a friend, a family member, a stranger, or an animal about your pain 
and they were able to sit with you in it, loving you and all your blobs. Not all of us are lucky enough to have a Nana like Gus did. No matter your age, I hope you will always look for the Nanas. You deserve a Nana. We all do. Some of us have been lucky enough to have had time with people who sit with us in our pain and love us in our pain. This gives us the incredible opportunity to be Nanas ourselves, to be there to accept and love another in their pain and tend to their blobs. It is so important to, to remember that we can't be in this role of a Nana until we have been a Gus. We can't possibly hold and love another's pain unless others have done that for us. And even if they have, it can be scary to be a Nana. Just like we can fear sitting in our own sadness, we can fear sitting in another's. What if it deepens our own sadness? What if it swallows us up too? Our society teaches us again and again that good friends help each other and that helping is fixing. It is hard to learn to just sit with and even embrace our pain. But this is so important. I recently got a chance to participate in forming a troop of Nanas on one of our units. I'd like to just share one more story about Kyle. Kyle was a healthy middle-aged man who loved his job, his wife, his cat, and exercising when a health crisis suddenly brought him to the hospital. Kyle had catastrophic event after catastrophic event, fighting for recovery each time. Because Kyle was hospitalized during this pandemic, his wife Sarah couldn't be there for most of the time he was hospitalized. Kyle pushed through physical therapy, put up with breathing tubes and feeding tubes over and over. And after months of setbacks, Kyle's usual determination faded. Kyle withdrew from staff, refusing to participate in his care, and he looked miserable. Kyle stopped wanting to talk, wanting to watch movies. The only thing Kyle wanted was to have his hand held, a request he had had since his first day in the hospital. As Kyle's spirit sank, the flow of staff that usually lined up for their turn with Kyle dissolved. After an especially hard day, Leanne, <clears throat> one of Kyle's nurses, asked me, what do I do? Do I go in when he's so miserable? I don't know what to do to make it better. Leanne and I talked about how hard it is for people to be with Kyle when they feel they can't help. We talked about how discared and distressed Kyle must be. <clears throat> we decided that as a unit, we needed to fight the urge to fix and fight our own discomfort at seeing Kyle's pain. The unit came together and made a huge banner that said, we want to hold your hand. 
Colored paper mark and markers were lined up, encouraging staff to trace their hand and write a message for Kyle. As the days went on, nurses, physical therapists, chaplains, techs, social workers, dietitians, and doctors traced their hand, wrote a message, brought the message in, read it to Kyle, stuck it to the wall, and then took a turn sitting with Kyle, holding his hand. We saw how when Kyle, Kyle held, sorry, we saw how when we held Kyle's hand without expectation, when we just sat with him in his pain, Kyle relaxed. He was able to sleep. Ultimately, we could not heal Kyle's body or take away his pain or his fear. But we hope he was not alone in his emotions. And we hope he felt cared for as he feared, worried, and struggled. Embracing our big blue blobs can offer powerful benefits. When you can allow another to see your blob, you can break through loneliness. Feeling sadness, anxiety, depression, fear, those feelings are hard enough. But if you can't speak of these feelings to another, there is an additional crushing weight of loneliness. Allowing your pain to come to the light can break through this loneliness. When you can allow another to see your blob, you can leave space for a deepening of relationships. The vulnerability of letting another see your pain as it is, of bringing your pain into a relationship, allows for more depth of trust and love. When you can allow your blob, show care to your blob, give space and show your blob love, the door opens for a very special and beautiful stability. If you can sit with pain and sadness within yourself, it offers the chance for safety. I invite you to take a few slower, deeper breaths. And as you breathe in, allow your mind and your heart to return to your blob the sadness or fears or worries that might have come up. And as you breathe out, I invite you to send attention as you can, permission as you can, and love as you can. My dear spiritual companions, all of you is important, even your sadness, especially your sadness. Your blobs deserve the deepest embrace. Amen. Our benediction today comes from Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. 
You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clear blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Let us keep the faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.